Yes, yes. What's up? It's Billy Carson, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. Welcome to the Pop-Up Podcast. Just a random pop-up podcast. Going to drop some random knowledge on you tonight about how to build a legacy. And we're going to have a very special guest signing on here very soon, Dame Dash. Everyone knows who he is. I mean, there's no introduction needed for Dame Dash. He's a business mogul, entrepreneur, um, and artist. Uh, this guy has, has had his hand in everything. He buys businesses, sells businesses, clothing lines, rap artists, the top rap artists in the world. I mean, he discovered uh, Kevin Hart. He needs no introduction. So he's hard. he's trying to get on now. He's having a little bit of technical difficulties, but he should be hopping on shortly. And we'll have Dame Dash in the house here in just a couple of minutes. But we're streaming live on several mainstream accounts. We're streaming live on Forbidden Knowledge TV uh, YouTube account. We're streaming live also on Forbidden Mind. Okay, Forbidden Mind. This is my other YouTube account, a mindfulness YouTube account. If you want to get your mind right, make sure you follow and subscribe Forbidden Mind on YouTube. We're also live on LinkedIn, my business LinkedIn, and three verified Facebook pages. We're talking about uh, Billy C. Carson, Billy Carson personal account, and Forbidden Knowledge on Facebook as well. And we're also streaming live to Unite the 99 social media app. So we're everywhere. We are we are omnipresent, all right? Omnipresent and omnipotent because we are God. And tonight we're going to get into a great discussion as we're going to talk about how to build a legacy that will last. How do you build a legacy that will stand the test of time? So I'm going to bring on my esteemed guest and very good friend, Dame Dash. Let's pull him up here. Let me get him in the show. What's, What's up? What's up, man? It's an honor to talk to the Billy Carson right now. <laughs> <laughs> My man, what's happening? All right, man. You looking good, man. Looking good. Thank you. You too, bro. You got yeah. tightened up, huh? Are <laughs> you fresh? Well, you know, I, I, I have to do my own thing now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the lake with wifey and the baby. And yeah. I'm really having a ball just having being in the house, sitting on the lake and just raising my child. Waking up early nice. in the morning, he's, he's right here playing to the side, watching him grow. Yeah. It's an experience that I've, I've never had the luxury of experience. Mm. And this is my fifth child. And, mm. uh, you know, it's everything that I've ever worked for. And I wish that I yeah. could have had this experience with each and every one of my children. But what I want to make sure is that all my children have this experience with their children. So Man. I want to make it to where my children, when they have children, that you do not have to do anything for three or four years that you just mm. focus on being a mother and being a father and just being that superhero to your child and really getting to appreciate every single moment of him growing, of his evolution, and, and, and also understanding how to architect the world and a life that you can leave for your children. You know, I, I, I'm around people that are like third, fourth generation money, and they've actually gone through 60, 70 years of their life and never had to work a, work a day or be economically challenged or any of those things. That's never been an issue. They live in a completely different reality for their whole existence in this vibration. And that's what I'm fighting for, for my children. Powerful. You know? And that's so powerful. What you're talking about right now is you're talking about breaking generational curses, number one, right? You talk about here we go. We're going to draw a line in the sand. From this point forward, the whole mindset is going to be a complete paradigm shift in how 
we treat, understand, and raise and love our family and our kids. And the second thing you're talking about there is leaving something behind, building a legacy, you know? Because like when I, you know, unfortunately, I lost both of my parents already. My parents have been long gone. Me, me uh, and both. And yeah, you be in the same boat, right? But I got like literally absolutely nothing. Not that I was looking for a handout, but even the things that were left behind at my mother's house and my father's house after they passed away, some relatives showed up before I could even get there. Now I'm the direct like son, right? Aunts and cousins and so forth, and just picking apart scraps of things. That's, you know what I'm saying? That's when human nature kicks in, and you can't take yeah. that one personal. Right. But so you know, it's just like what you know. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, but it's like you know, there was no will, no testament, no rule, no nothing, no trust, nothing laid out saying I bequeath or this or that. You know what I'm saying? And so at some point, we have to change that paradigm. Well, because we're used to being in survival mode and never ever breaking that like social class and staying in the 99%, we never really think we're gonna have anything to leave to li to leave. And we don't fight mm -hmm. for it because there's a cost sometimes that may appear to come with it. So it's like, for me, you know, it's like structuring something for money I haven't made yet, spending money and investing in that is no bueno when I'm in survival mode. But when I do have the money, sometimes, you know, you're investing in things that are so cash intensive because I don't really get paid I have to like create a company and sell it and then create another company and sell it that the minute I make a check, all that money is spoken for as well. But what does happen is if you don't prepare for it, once you st do start making money, if you do not protect it, the people that you love, the people that you have helped the most, the people that are the closest to you are the people that come for your money. My biggest yes. enemy have been the closest people to me. The people that I've made children with, the people that I've made their families rich, that I've changed their whole trajectory of their whole family. Those are the people that tend because of human nature. I don't know if it's the lizards or if they, you know, that thought process that makes, you know, I don't know, but it just makes it where people just instinctually get very negative don't want to share and they want to take they want to take your money they want to take the credit for the things you did and they want to get a lot of money without having to do the work so you would be amazed at what greed does to people when you have money when you don't have money they're your best friends when you do have money they hate you it's the weirdest thing but Again, I don't take it personal. I, I, it's an algorithm that continues to happen. So I don't get mad at those things anymore. I'd be like, it is what it is. It's part of the game. Yeah. But what yeah, It literally is an algorithm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you're right. It, it is an algorithm. It's a program code that we're all accepting and we're operating on this program code. The problem with these people that I find is they are literally living on that code. In other words, that code is them and they are the code. They haven't been able to separate themselves from that code. In other words, they are, have not been able to separate themselves from their own thoughts and their own instincts and actions right. and pull back and say, oh, no, let me analyze this because what this thought process, what this program is wanting me to do is actually wrong. Let me take over this code. Let me hack it. Let me redirect my energy and do it the right way. 
But that's what this is all about, man. Teaching people how to understand who they are, what they are. Because a lot of people are out here. They're alive, but they really ain't living. I mean, they're walking around out here like zombies. And unfortunately, that zombie mindset just gets passed from generation to generation to generation. So we got to get to a point where we cut and say, look, let's analyze what's going on here. Let's take a look at ourselves in the mirror and the mistakes that we've made ourselves. I've made mistakes as a parent, too. I'm not a perfect parent. How do we now change that for the future and build a legacy that can last and stand the test of time? And that's where we're, you know, we're going to go over a lot of the stuff in our workshop that we have coming up. That's coming up November the 4th. We moved the date up to November the 4th because we needed to allow more people to take part in this workshop and be able to also um, market it the right way to give the majority of the people, masses of people, a chance to hear what we have to say. We move the date to November the 4th. It's very important that you join this workshop because it's going to be an incredible eight hours of teaching by myself and Dame Dash. I just dropped the link in well, the comments here. And it's also I, in the caption. I think on a business level, because we're talking business, full transparency is important and you're being transparent. But you, what you did was you made an executive decision, right? You have a award show coming out that's at mm -hmm. a very huge scale and you're doing it for the first time. Now, I know you're Billy Carson, and you tend to do things better than most for the first time because it's in your DNA, apparently. Uh, you claim to be human, but whatever. But we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But it is hard to focus on two important things at one time. Even though you can read a book and listen to another book at the same time, it just wasn't necessary. And it was important because this Woke Awards is very important because again, it's an independent person that's taking a narrative into their own hand and recognizing the people that deserve it, controlling a narrative and doing it at a bigger scale than anyone else that is funded corporately. But it's about substance, showcasing, leading by example that we could do it on our own. And it just takes me back to two things that you said, that this is when it kind of goes back into you know, the Anunnaki of it all for me. You know, you were explaining to me that DNA is passed down, it's inherited, it's generational. And this trauma that we have that's unrecognized that makes us hate people that we're supposed to love, it's inherited. And what you were saying is, how do you become conscious in that moment when you're being influenced by that cycle that wasn't broken by the generation before you, that DNA that got passed down to you, how do you recognize that trauma and figure out how to pivot and do things different? Now, for me, it's just logical. If it don't make sense, I'm not doing it. I don't care how I feel about it. And if because I feel a certain way, I feel like less of a man, I'm not doing it. So if I don't like what someone's doing because he got more than me, then I got to look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm, I'm not as much of a man as I think I am. And I'd have to admit that to myself when I'm alone. I don't want to ever have to do that. So I have to be conscious. Make sure that you're not doing anything that you think would make or if someone else did it, you would say that's less of a man or an adult or it's not fair. Also, we're in a world full of cheaters. So how do you play fair? How do you protect yourself? When you play by a different law, than people. So most people don't care about conscious, consequence, or karma. 
They're going to do whatever they got to do to survive. And that's business. And in one complete different input mentality where someone gives you position and pays you to give away a piece of your soul and culture, it's actually okay to steal. It's okay to cheat. And you're in that same game and you're held accountable the same way by the same laws as people that cheat. So how do you protect yep. yourself from that? How do you recognize that trauma that comes in your DNA? And then understand that the reason why a guy like me and a guy like Billy Carson, maybe we lost our parents so early, is so that we can show the world what it looks like to survive and to survive with economics that are not challenging to do it on our own. Maybe that is the lesson we are here to teach by example. Like I know that if I wasn't robbed corporately and if you know the black ball hadn't happened and I didn't have to live off the land, then my people wouldn't be able to learn how to do what I do. Mm. Yeah. So, so I, I look at those, and that's the yin and the yang of it all. And that's also a business perspective. With every dark, there's a light. With every lesson, there's some kind of compromise because you're seeing things different, which makes people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So that's all part of the game as well. With all of that, then making it into law. Because no matter how you feel about something, with all that matters is what's legal, what's in law. Mm. So you have to make sure your money's protected by law, not by your intuition. Because yes. a lot of people in business be like, but I did this and I did that. None of that shit matters in front of a judge. Take it from <laughs> someone that just got sued four times, went through four trials in one year on some bullshit with con, like a conspiracy of con and never underestimate the fact that people won't get together and conspire. But you don't worry about them. You just got to protect. But, you know, that's what I wanted to actually bring to that, you know, with, with that. Definitely. And one thing, you know, that we'll be talking about, at least when I'm talking during this um, this training and this teaching, how do you protect? You just mentioned it so many times, protecting what you create. How do you protect your IP, right? Your intellectual property. I'm going to be going deep into how to protect your IP. Also, how do you then, once you get your business up and functioning and generating revenue, how do you then protect that revenue in, in a will and a trust? What type of trust? An irrevocable trust. How do you protect it? How do you create the trust? What is the actual process, step by step, of creating an irrevocable trust and putting everything into the trust so that no matter what happens, it's there, but also then the rules and the guidelines? You see, if something happens to me, my kids don't just get whatever's left behind, all the money that's left behind and, and any assets, there's rules that they have to abide by in order to get anything. And they must abide by those rules, right? So if, if something happens to me, my, my sons and daughters, they literally have to have a certain requirement. Credit score has to be at least a 700. I think that's that's a minimum. You put that, you right? put that on the track. <laughs> it's in there. No, they got to have a 700 credit score. Oh. They got to show me that they can manage some type of responsibility. They can't be sleeping on somebody's couch. If you're sleeping on somebody's couch, you get no money. You get yeah. nothing. You got to show a lease or or a, a, a deed, a mortgage deed. You can't be sleeping on somebody's couch. Also, you have to attend my financial literacy courses every quarter. My own personal financial literacy course, because I'm going to teach you like you teach your kids, James. I teach my kids, and if you don't know how to manage 
money and assets and revenue and how to diversify and how to make pivots, you get nothing. You get you zero. You don't, you don't want to work that hard for money and just let your kids fuck it up, mess it up. You don't want to have that happen. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So there's things that need to be put in place. Even my grandkids, I got five grandkids. They don't get any money. What they'll do is when they get 18, they'll get a little bit. When they get 21, they got to meet requirements. If they meet those requirements, they'll get a little bit more. And then when they meet reach 25, if they meet, meet other requirements, then they'll get some more, the rest. But you have to put these things in place. And we got to teach people how to do this and how to establish that. And I know you, you've been a big uh, proponent of multiple streams of income. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of not putting all your eggs in one basket? I mean, that's like having a job. You know, no matter what, there's going to be problems. No matter what. Mm -hmm. if, any, if a life is perfect, it's not real. If a business goes without problems at any point in time, like there's always a time when it's going so well that you start to have more bills because you're buying more stuff and you're trying to grow. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's a little bit not what you anticipated. And now you have more bills than what you're making. Things happen. So it's always important for me. I always have the octopus and I always have at least eight legs. So if one leg isn't doing well, I could cut that leg off and it will grow back, but it won't affect the head or the rest of the legs. So it's important because while one thing's not doing so well, the other thing can be, and it can make everything else look like it's doing well. And, you know, that's just how the world runs. It's important not to be dependent on anything, but it's also important not to spread yourself too thin. So I look at everything like a franchise. So what a franchise is, again, the octopus head. The legs are all the different verticals. So I always know for me, not for everybody, but I always know there's a music component. I always know there's a fashion component. I always know there's a movie component. I always know there's a philanthropy component. I always know there's a touring component, a book component, a documentary component. Off of, off of one thing, I'm going to be able to make Star Wars. Everything to me is a franchise. And it's important because when one thing goes gravy, usually... All eight things do well. And then the head is really rocking. Pause. Yeah. So you know what? I can attest to what you're talking about, the way that you live and the way you develop that octopus, because I've been around you. I've been to your house, right? I've seen, I remember the first day I pulled up at your house in, um, in, in uh, Beverly Hills a few years back. And I come in, I was so embarrassed because I had been holding, I had to use the bathroom really bad. I had been holding it for about an hour and a half in that bad traffic. I went straight to your bathroom to, to, to use the restroom and I walk into the bathroom and the first thing I see is Dame Dash uh, floor mat under the sink. Dame Dash, like the high quality Four Seasons level towels, you know, hand towels with the Dame Dash logo on, on the towels. Dame Dash, Dame, listen, Dame Dash wallpaper. I said, listen, this man converted his whole house, whole house into his brand. I love this. And then when I went to your your um your studio and I saw your dream board and I saw all the projects you had going on, all boxed off in all those particular uh different genres of business, but all still flowing towards one main goal, all synchronically, synchronicity, synch I'm, I'm messing my words up now with these new teeth. Synchronicness. Okay, forget it. You know what I'm saying, guys out there, right? I got my my brand I mean, new uh, a whole different. You got new teeth? I got my uh, my veneers put on, but let me tell you, I used to have a gap for so long. When I was working at your 
at your studio, I had a gap, and now the gap is gone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to pronounce words. I've got used to that gap, but it's gone now. So I got to <laughs> No, I'm going to tell you what's crazy. Paul, yeah. I used to have a gap, too. Yeah. All, all my kids are born with gaps. Yeah, yeah. What I had that? a big one, man. That's my gap was so big, it was crazy. That? What do you think that is? What do you think that is? <laughs> I, I, these ain't, you know, these are the screw-ins, though. These ain't veneers, but these are the, these are Yeah, terrible. yeah. So I had to get, I had braces, I did braces first to bring my teeth together and then I put the veneers on, you know, because it just was a, a better thing than the, the whitening. I'm too sensitive to all that whitening stuff. And then my teeth had gotten, the, the, the enamel had gotten damaged from that, that diet that I was on, permanently damaged. So I had to, I had to do something. I didn't want to have uh, and, and, a, and the appearance of brown shape. teeth, you know. And yeah, you, you know, had to shave the teeth. Oh my God. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad for you because you got some other <laughs> stuff going on. But for a regular human being, hell no. I got into my meditation. But yeah, but anyway, what synchronistically, what I'm talking about is how your businesses all go together and flow together. Uh, and what's interesting is you are a man that lives what you speak. And I've witnessed that firsthand. I literally um, have seen it, been there, heard it, been around the energy and everything else. And so... You literally live what you speak. A lot of people out there, maybe they say, well, you know, he's just, he could just be talking trash. No, I've been around this man. I've seen his power. I've been around his energy. I've seen him. I remember I was at your house one day uh, and some gentleman came over from some, uh, I guess they buy in bulk for department stores. And it was like, they were like, okay, we'll do this, this, this. It was like a $3 million deal in like 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. For clothing. And I was like, God, dog, this is crazy. You know, so what I'm saying to you guys out there, if you're listening to me, don't believe these, these, this fake news on the internet that Dame Dash ain't got nothing going on. He ain't, he ain't in business no more. And he, he lost out because of Jay-Z and all this. That's garbage. That's fake news. This man is out here literally taking care of his family at a high level. And he's doing it to the point where he has a certain level of financial freedom that most people will never, ever have. He's, Raising his kid on a day-by-day, day, on a moment-by-moment moment basis. And a lot of people would die to have that capability. I remember when I sold my first company in 2004 for a few million dollars, and then I was able to spend every waking moment with my kids for seven years straight. So I know exactly what, you, what you're doing, Dan, because that feeling is like none other. I, I literally volunteered at all their schools, created sports programs in the, in the neighborhood, built a YMCA just so the kids can have something, started sports programs that I can coach so they can be on teams. And it was one of the greatest, greatest seven years of my life. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. It's so important to be able to, to, to gain that level of financial freedom. And, and I, I actually like all of that, what they say about me, because to take the time to even analyze a man's business and speak about a man's business means that man's in business. You know, if there was nothing going on, there'd be nothing to talk about. And when you're a superhero, your enemies sometimes are going to be disturbed and they're going to try, you know, to do what they do. And that's part of the game. It depends on whose perspective the movie is coming from. So it's interesting what they're doing in television or with movies these days, because there's Batman and he's the superhero, but now there's movies called the Joker and the villain is actually the good guy now. So to the bad guy, the good guy is the bad guy. 
You understand what I'm saying? There's always yeah, a bad yeah. guy and a good guy, no matter what. So if I represent the light, that means whoever's against me is representing the dark. Mm. Period. If yeah. I'm trying to fight for light and good, and someone tries to negate that message, then look under the hood. That means they're on the dark side of the yang or the yin. And that's just not me. So it comes that's, with that's it, that's it. and you have to push through it. Like Billy, the other day, I saw something on um, on uh, TikTok that wasn't complimentary towards you. Mm. Actually, I got to send this shit to you. Matter of fact, I forgot to send it to you. But I was like, oh, he really made it. You know, because once they start doing that, that means you're becoming very dangerous. That means that you have a message. So... It don't matter about my bread because that's not what I'm trying to tell you about. I'm not trying to talk to you about my money. I'm just trying to show you how to get money. That's all. Yeah. I ain't trying to give you none of my money. So whether I have it or not is no relevance to you. But if you could take and listen to the people around me, because Jay-Z was around me. Kanye was around me. Kevin Hart was around me. Billy Carson was around me. So obviously, just because I don't participate in the things people do, I must give some good advice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. No doubt. That's Listen, I'm, I'm a product of some of your mentoring. <clears throat> and I want to say I want to honor you, too, because well, a few times that. you had me come on your, your mentoring group. You had a mentoring group that you've been doing on Zoom, a private mentoring group that most people don't even know exists. But some people that you probably handpicked, right? Most of the principles are Those Yeah, okay. Those are principles. Wait, 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 say that again. Those are principles. So I do a mentoring with principles mm -hmm. for a year and a half straight with the OSG. So that's a group of mm -hmm. principles, about two or three hundred strong from economically challenged places that they actually do things that the Board of Education won't do, but they make sure that they're economically strong as well. And yeah. in order for them to teach their teachers how to teach their kids how to dream, they had to dream themselves. To teach entrepreneurship, they have to become entrepreneurs. So what I was learning and what I was seeing was the teachers, actually the principals, don't actually dream about anything but taking care of kids within the education. And I'm like, you're not dreaming? And, you're, and you're, 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 your teachers aren't dreaming? Who's teaching the kids how to dream? So you're being taught not to dream, to be scared of an institution to survive? So the whole thing was to take the time to teach them how to teach a different way. So you can make a choice. Choice. So, yeah. you know, that's what I was doing. But I'm sorry, go ahead. You, you were no, that was powerful. No. I, people need to tell. Sometimes, you know, that's a private thing that you do and you just, that's something out of your heart. But sometimes people out here, they just need to hear a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, man. Because I think a lot of people try to judge. The people that now, because of my popularity, they're judging me. They're judging, you know, judging people who have any semblance of success. But everyone that I've seen that's been around you and in your energy, who have utilized the tactics and the techniques and have been able to download and get any knowledge from you, which you're always giving out the game, has become successful, period, point blank. It's happened. I mean, it's an absolute fact that cannot be denied. I'm saying the re you have, what they say in the hood now, you got the receipts. The receipts are the people, and we can look up these people nonstop. So for you guys who are listening to this and watching, I'm dropping the link in the chat again. And we're going to have a special situation where people who buy a ticket to this live 
stream event that I'm hosting with Dame Dash, and we're going to teach it for eight hours. After this class, we're going to handpick five people that are going to sit down with us and talk with us, and we're going to go over their business models and everything else. So you have a chance to sit down and be in the energy. You have a chance to sit down and be in the energy just by getting a ticket. And I'm just telling you, everyone that I've seen that's been in this man's energy has blown up. And the ones that didn't blow up, they self-sabotaged themselves. Self-doubt, self-hate, self-fear. The people who believed and took the knowledge and put action behind the knowledge and was inspired, they blew up. All right? Well, let, so, let, 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 let's talk about this, which I think is yeah. the best example. Um, about a half a decade ago now, you and I did a mystery school at mm. the gallery in Burbank. And a gentleman by the name of 19 Keys was in the audience. That's right. He was in the audience. He was a student. Now he's a teacher on the same stage as all of us. We, had to, we do things with someone that was in the audience with us. So what mm. we look for is partners. We make partners. If one out of 100 get to be a partner, look what they do. Look what a 19 is doing. And what I want to say about Billy is like, you know, Billy never hates on nobody. People that are judgmental usually are judgmental because of insecurity. When you're, complete, when you're completely confident, like I might be judgmental about something that happened to me. I'm not going to like it. I have, I have the right to not like if someone has bad business acumen as it relates to me. But I'm not talking about nobody else or an experience that I don't. I've never heard you ever talk about anyone else's business acumen. And what's happened is, I went through a level of educating a certain kind of entertainer. And that was just time to put, to, to, to bring together some real teachers, some enlighteners. I don't even yeah. call them teachers, they're enlighteners. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. a 19, a, 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 a Billy Carson, a, a, a Ernie Elysia. There's a whole new lane for information because people want to evolve. Mm. And they also don't want to compromise coolness or living a, a life that's aspirational or being able to make your children comfortable, your children's children comfortable, your wife comfortable off of your mentality because you're helping people. What, what I've learned is some people are really 10 toes down going in the wrong direction but very confident in it just because of lack of knowledge. And right. one pivot can change everything. Like just do it this way. And it can bring you exactly where you need to go. One mm -hmm. right turn can put you exactly right where you really want. But first you have to know what you want. You have to visualize exactly what you want your life to look like. And then you have to live in it. What I do know, Billy, is that you saw me also lose a baby, no, fight to get pregnant, lose a baby, go through it, fight right back, and now in a, have a baby. And you heard my architected plan of what it was going to look like when I have a baby. And now I'm right. living in that dream in the present that I was talking about to you in the past. My yeah. future is now my present. And it happened relatively fast. Yeah. When Billy and I sit and talk, like he's saying, he pulled up, we wasn't pulling up to smoke weed and drink. We was pulling up to talk, to really yeah. think about how to sharpen each other, pause the knife, pause. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
how to make sure that we were doing things right. And I still call you like, yo, how you do that on YouTube? What's this look like? What's that? Yep. And when I'm doing something, I tell you. Boo, 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 boo. Mm -hmm. So we always are comparing notes. When generals get to get with generals, they are usually fighting to fight the same war. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, armies come together and the war gets one way quicker. But mm -hmm. you got to know what war you're fighting. You got to be able to visualize what the war looks like when you win. And you always have to celebrate when the war is won. Some people yes. win the war and then they act like they lost. They forget a dream and they turn it into a nightmare. Yeah. And that's why Listen. affirmations is important as well. Giving yourself the confidence to know that you're great enough to conquer anything and anything that you love that you love to fight for. Mm. That anything you want, you can have as long as the root of it is love and it's in the right place for the right reasons. It will happen. If it's genuine, but the thing about it, even evil can manifest itself. That's what sucks about it. So sometimes you have to be careful who you're teaching. You know? All of that. So a yeah. lot of times people next to me they're, they're in awe. Once I teach it to them, they say, I'm going to take what he taught me and I'm going to take over what he got. And that's when I can understand how the devil was created. Getting next to God and thinking he could be God. And that should not mm. happen. <laughs> you know, mm. once you get the equivalent, because I want people to be better than me. I just want them to make sure that they help me and the people I love. That's why I want you better than me. Because I'm not yeah. going to always be here physically like that. Mm -hmm. That's fact, man. Everything you're talking to these people, I witnessed it with my own eyes, my own ears, my own heart. And, you know, why do you think it is that a lot of people self-sabotage when they get opportunities or get access to something that can make them show them a way to pivot and change their life for a whole nother level and take them to a whole nother level? Or they already got things going pretty good. But all of a sudden, this self-doubt just creeps in. And they themselves actually destroy everything they began to build. What, what do you think that is? Human nature. You know, mm. that's that unrecognized trauma. So many people I see, I'm like, yo, things are going so good. How could you just mess this up over nothing? How could you be mad? Like, how could you have 20 great days and be so upset over one bad day? Why? You know, mm. why, why is your measurement? Why is your emotion... Why do you shoot yourself in the leg all the time for no reason? I think when it comes to knowledge, people understand that, you know, once you're aware, there's accountability, you know? And, and I think sometimes people are too lazy sometimes to, to realize their destiny, how great they could be. So instead, they'd rather sit around, complain, hate, you know, let themselves go. Like... You got to understand, without a dream, you have no purpose. Without purpose, what is life? You know? So I just think sometimes people lose sight of their purpose. But, you know, for me, my purpose is to be inspired. There's so many wars to fight because there's so many things that need to be changed. There's, there's a cycle that we're fighting to stop. You know, what you're talking about right now is preparing for future wealth. Most people don't have present wealth. So it's also figuring out how to get people to a point where they can even think about people sometimes be like, yo, if I can make enough money to lose it, I'll be happy. I ain't never made enough money to lose. And they got to stop thinking like that. 
And that's also the problem is that they can't visualize themselves winning. If they can't see themselves winning, even when they win, they're going to feel like it's a loss. I find that people that are miserable broke are miserable rich. It doesn't Mm. change. People that worry when they're broke, they worry when they're rich. People that are like, I'm not happy because I don't have a girlfriend. When they get a girlfriend, they're still not happy. That's right. You know, you have to you have to really work on yourself. And if you're insecure about something, recognize that and figure out the root of it. But the insecurities mm-hmm. become fear, and that stops you from realizing your potential, and you miss a lot of your life and your dreams coming true. Right. Yeah, no doubt, man. That's so true. You hit it on the head again. I, I you know, as I'm so happy that you're on here to say these things so they don't just keep hearing it come from my mouth. Because, you know, in my opinion, you're a living legend. Uh, let it, you know, let people hear things from other people's mouths that have already been there, done it, and, and achieved a certain level of success. And one thing we have to realize is the, another reason why people are need to come to this workshop is because you just said it. A lot of people don't have wealth now, haven't established a certain level of financial freedom now, don't have passive income now, don't have multiple streams of income now. So there's a there's going to be a lot of people in this workshop that are just like brand new babies in entrepreneurship with no guidance. Some people are already on the path to entrepreneurship, maybe even running a business, but are missing a couple of key pieces that they just didn't even know they were missing. Because once you know, then you can bring awareness to the situation. So that's why this workshop is going to be so important. You're, you're listening to Dame Dash speak. You're talking about a wealth of decades and decades of amazing knowledge that he's going to be able to share with you in this workshop. I'm going to be able to share with you decades and decades of knowledge and wisdom. A lot of people thought that I became rich and famous just off of uh, social media. Now, I have had my ups and downs in business like everyone else, right? But you got to remember, imagine the vision. 1997, I started a company called Dot Com Marketing Group when nobody had a computer yet. And I created a web company, a web developing company, when nobody had a computer, when everything was still on in yellow pages, search engines didn't even exist yet. All you had was the AOL dial-up, and I started an internet company. Where, and where by 2004, where did you get that future technology from? Well, the technology? What you was hanging out with Tesla himself? Well, well you know, let me tell you what happened. You, you're going to trip for this. So what happened was, before uh, the internet came to be, the World Wide Web came to be, I was reading a Hopi prophecy, Hopi Indian prophecy. They don't like the word Indian. Hopi Native uh, prophecy. And... It was interesting because it talked about the world being connected by a web and information will t- travel to and fro instantaneously. I think I read this in about 1991, 92. And I was like, oh man, if all I have to do is stay alive, if I can stay alive until that worldwide web happens that they talked about, my information, my knowledge, I knew it will be able to spread all around the planet. And so in 97, I saw a, a TV commercial that came on the screen. All it said was IBM.com, all black screen, nothing else. It kept coming on over and over again. I said, what is this? I went to the bookstore, didn't even have a computer yet. I go to the front lady. I said, what is this .com? She goes, oh, in this section over here. I go pull down all the stuff on World Wide Web, you know, uh, ASP scripts, PS, uh, PSP, PHP scripts, JavaScript, C++. I start teaching myself HTML and all this stuff. 
and I start my web company, long story short, and I build it to a multi-million dollar corporation by 2004, one of the top online companies, and then sold it for millions of dollars. Well, I, actually, first I got acquired, and then later on, we ended up selling it and exiting uh, with millions. That's when I took my seven years off. But the fact is, you have to be able to begin to say, I got to build something. And these are where we come in. We have the expertise going back decades. I made a lot of mistakes back then. No mentors. You're gonna, they're going to gain from a wealth of my knowledge and also gain from a wealth of your knowledge from all your mistakes that you've made. These people are really going to be getting kind of a shortcut in a way where they can. we're going to teach them the things to do and the things to not do. You know what well, I'm saying? So that's going to help them uh, what dramatically. You, what you're teaching in this moment <clears throat> is what old money looks like. Because the thing about making money is, you know, it's not the hardest thing in the world. The hardest thing, pause in the world is keeping the money. Mm. And, and, and it, it's not like anyone ever in school teaches you how to have money. In school, traditionally, college, I didn't go to college, but high school, I never heard about taxes and how to pay them yeah. or capital gains. They never taught me how to pass laws or how to lobby, how to be a politician. It never taught about trust, any of those things. So again, one part of the battle is making a lot of money, but they don't teach you about residual income, like not wanting to work physically, but still receiving income you know, still profiting off of something that you did 20 years ago. And that's where, when Billy's talking about owning your IP, that's what's so important. And that's, you know, a lot of the things that I was always being challenged about where people thought I was crazy is I was like, why wouldn't you want to own your masters? It says masters. Why would you want to give somebody anything that says masters so they could become your master? It makes no sense because, and, and, and then for you to be proud, like, yo, I'm signed. How does that verbiage even sound appealing to a grown ass man? I'm signed. So these are the things that I noticed that just didn't make logical sense. And I was able to break that program of me thinking I needed another culture to validate me that I needed to give away my essence to someone else to buy it back from them, for them to control it, and for them to make it like I needed them for the masses to even see it. You know, the web came to you early because you needed that freedom because there's no other place that people would ever let you say or have the freedom to say what you want but the web. So a lot of times the future we're looking for freedom and we find the future and the freedom that we're looking for as independence, you know? So it's all part of the game. Yeah. One of the things that I want people to understand is because we weren't taught these things in school, everything is a learning experience. Anything you're doing for the first time, you're not expected to know. But if someone has done it for the first and second and third time, and they can tell you how to keep it. And once they have it, how to manage it, you know, it's worth listening to. Or if someone can tell you how to build a brand 
and not have to give that brand to somebody, how to leverage your own celebrity, like I taught Kanye, like I taught Jay-Z, like I taught Kevin Hart. And these are people you can ask. And one of the things I had to learn is, yo, having your IP is one thing, but your IP got to be worth something. What does your IP mean? What's the DNA of your IP? So I can't just have an IP of me just talking about things that I like. I have to I have an IP about a point of view and perspective that I've been successful at for a long period of time. So I had to have my own tangible brand so I could put IPs on them for my family to have. Because for me, I don't own nothing. I don't even play those games. Everything's for my family. I work for them. I'm not here for me. It's too easy for me to make enough money for me to survive. I could do that any day. It does not cost a lot of money for one man to live. But when you care about people, you have to make sure they're all right and there's enough money for them. And that when you're not there, that their kids are all right because you don't want your kids to have to be as tough as you because it comes with too much pain. You want to figure out how to teach the people you love how to be mentally strong without having to go through the physical pain that comes with that. So I could tell you about the physical pain, pause. And I could tell you about what it, how to avoid it. And the reason why I went through the physical pain was because when you're successful young, you run into stuff that you know, you know most kids don't run into. So selling my first company in my 20s, and, you know, Rockefeller, like, I had already retired from Rockefeller by the time I was 30, like, 33. Yeah. I was doing that. Rockefeller was 19 to 33. I'm 52 right now. It ain't been no Rockefeller since I was, like, 30, 33, yeah. 2005. But I'm still here. Yeah. So relevant. You, know, you mastered, see, you mastered how to keep it and how to keep the money moving. You keep taking money and reinvesting in ideas and concepts and reinvesting in ideas and concepts and building and buying businesses and selling businesses. It's this process that people don't know about. Their mind is like, just get this one little thing and just stay in it and be in this one little thing. And that's all I got to do. And if I just do that one little thing, I can go until I'm 65 and I can retire. That's really not easy to do as an entrepreneur. You kind of really in this day and age have to be, uh, have to have passive income. Let me tell you what happened to me. So I go back to now this money that I made. And I was like, okay, this is phenomenal. Then in 2004, George Bush Jr. changed all the laws for sending out mass emails. The Can Spam Act came out in 2004. Can Spam. I was a big email marketing. I was generating big mortgage leads, thousands of leads a day for a Bank uh, of America, AmeriQuest, um, uh, uh, Novastar Mortgage, all these mortgage companies back before the bubble happened. So while I'm generating all these leads, I'm making a lot of money. And all of a sudden, that whole lead generation system came crashing to a halt. I took those millions of leads I had, moved them into call centers in the Philippines and India, and had people recalling the same leads and getting people home equity lines of credit and refinances and so forth. But meanwhile, I knew I had to make a pivot because those leads were going to run out eventually, and I can't make any more. So my pivot was into real estate. Now, here I go. I'm moving into real estate around 2006. Fast forward, here comes 2008. By then, I got over 400 properties nationwide. It includes houses and land. I don't have the insight to see the bubble coming in my brain, in my young entrepreneur mind. I'm thinking, oh, just put everything in one basket. Real estate's guaranteed. It's like a blue chip stock. So I put all my eggs in one basket. And then 2008, we already know what happened. The basket had a huge hole. 
and all the eggs fell out and they cracked. And I almost, almost lost everything. I still kept my million dollar house in Weston and a couple of cars, but man, it was tough. It was tough for about a good two and a half years. I had to bring myself all the way back from ground zero, but I learned a very valuable lesson. You can't put all your eggs in one basket because they always are going to bring something at you every eight to 10 years. They're going to hit you over the head. You had the millennium bug hit people over the head. You had the 2008 real estate collapse. Then you had uh, the, the H1N1 uh, virus. Then you had the, you know, the global sickness with the COVID, and it just keeps coming and coming. You got to be prepared for the next big one. When this new global sickness hit, I was already prepared and ready. I made more money during the pandemic than I ever made in my life because I was ready and I understood and knew. I learned from my previous lessons of eggs in one basket, and I created passive income streams. And I was able to then, like you said, eight, an octopus, eight legs. One's doing good. One's not doing so great. This one's doing phenomenal. This one's doing okay. But all together, all eight legs was producing something, and it took me and catapulted me to another level. And that's something I actually learned from you, Dame Dash. Right then. You, well, you've taken it to another level for sure. So that's great, and I appreciate that. And uh, now the rest of the world is going to understand. But the thing is, the things that you do, you have passion for. You know what I mean? You've, you, yeah. you've kind of found these things. I feel like whether you're making money off it or not, you'd still be doing the research. You still have this quest for knowledge. You're just so good at it that you get paid for it. So for me, it's about identifying your love, the thing that you want to do, the, your dream, and speaking only in that language and telling people what language you want to be spoken to in, you know? And then from there, developing the ancillary things, but you got to figure out your love language. You got to figure out what you want to do and what you would be happy. Like you have to make money, but you don't just do anything for money. I find that my respect level doesn't come from the amount of money someone has. It's almost how they make it. You know what I mean? How much compromise are you willing to do to make this amount of money? How much of your principles are you willing to give up to make a dollar that's man-made? And how much love are you willing to sacrifice? Will you burn the people you love for money? Will you not mm. see your children for money? Will you disrespect your friends and your culture for money? And I don't care how much money that you make from that, I don't respect it. And my respect might, might not matter. But you know, I think your respect for yourself is what should matter. And, you know, would you want certain things that you do to people? Would you want it done to you or anybody you love? And what would you do if somebody did those things? So that's my approach is figure out what you love, figure out what your dream is, figure out what language you want people to speak to you in, and just do it so well that it doesn't feel like work, that you're a professional at it because you're getting paid. Like, if somebody tells me they're doing music, but they're not making money from it, don't call yourself a professional. It's a hobby. You want to be yep. a professional, but you're not a professional until you're profiting from that. I'm not going to say I'm a designer till someone bought my design. I'm not going to mm. say I'm a director until I made a movie. It came out in theaters, which I just did, and someone paid a ticket to see it. Now I'm a director at a professional level. 
So if you want to do things at a professional level, don't call yourself a professional until you've made money from doing it and you've been in competition with other professionals. So some people believe that just because you're in business, you're in professional business. If your competition isn't professionals, how are you in professional business? If you're not making money, how is it even considered a business? It's a hobby till you can turn it into a business. Now, if you're investing money into your business, then you've made money from something else or you'd have no money to lose. So you're a business person. But if you don't have any money and you're starting a business, then you have to figure out, be resourceful. You got to work with what you got and then you just have to flip. But you don't have no money or time and you don't have no money to burn. See, what happens with me is I make so much money in one business that I lose, I burn while I learn. So I might spend a million dollars to learn that I only had to spend two, but I, it won't happen twice. But you got to have that million to burn. But if you don't have that million to burn, then you have to learn without the burn. That means know what you're doing, figure out the art, love it so much that you do it better. And one person has to do the job of 10 people. But that's part of the game. And then once you make the money, then you got to figure out how to keep it and stay relevant. Because you don't want to be just talking about the stuff you did when you was 20 years younger. I'm talking about what I'm doing now. I'm talking to Billy Carson right now. He's what's popping pause right now. I'm the cool guy in the room in my circle because I know Billy Carson first. So when he goes into places and I got the, my man Scooter, the white boy that, you know, manages Billy, uh, 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 Gary Clark Jr. And, 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 you know, other big, you know, Eric Clapton and all that. He's a fan. I'm cool because I know Billy Carson because I knew that he was going to be popping pause before everyone else did, except him, of course. You know, but actually by the time I knew who he was, he had a million followers. I didn't know how people didn't know who he was with, without a certification. So that meant he did it completely on his own. Independent. Yeah, shit is, yeah. Boy, it's kind of amazing. But my point is knowing how to identify cool, knowing how to stay cool, knowing that in 20 years, you're still going to want to be cool. What do you want the 20 year from now version of yourself to look like? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Listen, you guys, this is going to be an amazing masterclass. We're out of time for tonight. Thanks for spending this hour. That was one of the quickest hours I've done on a podcast in a long time. Amazing knowledge, Dame Dash. I'm going to drop the links in here again. The galaxy. What you mean? You know how that go. Time is relative, depending on what pause vibration we're in. You know? That's right. <laughs> for real. 100%, man. Listen, guys, click that link in the comments. If you're not interested in becoming an entrepreneur, Send that to someone who you know is trying to become an entrepreneur or already is a, in business and needs to take it to the next level. People right, like you can buy they might want to look at us. They just might want to see what it looked like. You might, you know how you like to watch fights, but you're not a fighter? You can watch <laughs> You can watch the war. You ain't got to be in it, but we in it. We generals. We, we in it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. No, that's good, man. <laughs> yeah, it's real. That's real. And also, if you're watching this or hearing it later on and you're not in the live chat, the link is directly in the caption of this video or this uh, audio version of this podcast. Make sure you check it out. It's the 
Entrepreneur Masterclass taught by Dame Dash and Billy Carson coming to you November the 4th. Hold Make on, sure you're there. Hold It'll on. be amazing. Don't not say that you're about to do the woke awards and we're not performing gold records and all type of craziness. You know, you created your own world and you got everything everyone else got at this bigger scale. Yeah. And that's what everyone can do. So, you know, even though you're being humble about it, this Sunday is the award show, right? Yes, award show this Sunday. It's real. It's a real award show. Like, yeah. you're giving out woke awards. Wake up. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. We got, uh, well, Dame Dash is going to be there. So if you have a VIP ticket, you'll see us in the VIP pre-event mixer before the event even starts with some drinks or d'oeuvres. Uh, take a few and photos. That, we'll walk the Billy Carson dunk. He told, he told, I don't believe it yet. But he told me. You're going like, to pee down here, man. We're going to the gym. I seen him play horse, boy, but I ain't seen him really in there, you know. But I, we gonna see all that. <laughs> we gonna listen. The gym is in my neighborhood, so it's in it's in my gate. So when you you gonna we're gonna go in the gym. Front on me, front on me. <laughs> the, the forbidden ball. I'm the forbidden hooper. I but uh, everyone will see the forbidden hooper next year because next year we're setting up a uh, charity basketball event that I'll be playing in with former NBA players. And Dame, I'm already calling out. I'm manifesting. You're going to be a coach, Dame. You're going to be a coach. All right. All right. Let's do that. All right. We're going to have teams. We're going to do a professional league anyway. So it's all good. Trust me. Yeah. It's been a nice yeah. four, four or five years. It's time to dream so much bigger because we already know where we could go. It's all good. Right. Yep. All good. So, guys, if you want to come to the Forbidden Conscious Awards, make sure you go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com and click the Conscious Awards link and get yourself a ticket. There are a few seats left. It's this Sunday, July 30th. You'll see Dame Dash, Havoc from Mob Deep, Donnie Arcade, Kambada, Cruz, myself, Billy Carson, performing on stage. But also, we got Chris Spencer hosting the event. He's hosted the MTV Awards, BET Awards. He's written for the Emmys, the Grammys, and so forth. Great and comedian I'm, I'm and, and writer. I'm nominated for CEO of the year. Let's see what, let's see what, what it do. Dame Dash is nominated for CEO of the year. It's going to be an amazing award show. He's going up against Mike Rashid and Gaben Sarial. Three big names. Uh, so listen, you guys all voted. We'll find out who won at the actual event on Sunday. It's a real award show. These awards weigh 10 pounds each. It's not a piece of plastic like you get at the YMCA or Boys and Girls Club. It's a real clear quartz crystal 10-pound trophy. Uh, so custom made. So it's going to be incredible. All right, then. All right, man. We love you, man. I'll catch you later, man. All right. Peace. <laughs>